Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington. I'm Samba Bachili. Nina Vaca, Chief Executive Officer of Pinnacle Group. An original shark from the hit TV show Shark Tank. The CEO of ADS Group. The largest Latina-owned workforce solutions in America. I first identified myself as an entrepreneur when I was 15 years old. My mother and father immigrated here with a suitcase and a dream. I had a front row seat to entrepreneurship. I am living proof of what is possible in this country. Today, the marketplace is, is very tough. The challenge for African market today is its access to capital. The number one reason why we can't scale as entrepreneurs is access to capital. What makes Globe so different and so powerful is the access to experts, gurus, mentors, coaches, financiers, venture people, money. When I started my business, I immediately went to engage with different communities, different platforms. Glow makes that experience digital. A digital platform makes it so much faster and so much easier for you to meet like-minded people. The financial platform that Glow have that make Glow unique. Glow is about commerce, Glow is about community, and Glow is about having access to capital. Glow is an asset to every entrepreneur in this country and globally. It's, it's about helping you take your business, your idea, to the next step. Hello and welcome to Business Acceleration 2.0. It's the show where leaders go to grow and we're thrilled that you're here with us. The show is brought to you by the Business Finishing School, which is an online program to help entrepreneurs create a company that's profitable, sustainable, scalable, and saleable. Because, I mean, let's face it, who doesn't want to be able to sell their business? And if they don't want to sell it, don't you want to have a company that someone else wants to buy? It's also brought to you by the Global Leaders Organization. It's an entrepreneur membership organization. It's made for the entrepreneur. So for individuals that are looking to have a community of like-minded peers, to have the opportunity to do more business with other decision makers, and the most important and unique feature of GLOW or the Global Leaders Organization is the fact that you have the ability to raise capital and invest on the platform. So check out GLOW at withglow.com and become a member. Join us today. We're one of the fastest growing entrepreneur organizations on the planet. Um, March 3rd through the 6th, I want to make sure everyone knows that we've got an event happening in Dallas, Texas. March 3rd through the 6th, we've got incredible speakers that are coming and joining us. We've got Kevin Harrington coming on board, that we taking pitches and actually teaching entrepreneurs what he looks for in a pitch. We've got people like best-selling author Vince Pacenti with his new book, The Earthquake, that will be there. Ford Sakes, who will be there talking about marketing. We've got Tim Draper, who will be there talking about crypto with his daughter, Jessie. So we're super excited. You can check out all of our speakers that we've got at uh, withglow.com. Just go on and check out the link for the event, March 3rd through the 6th, Dallas, Texas. We hope you're there with us. And then also, if you want to continue this conversation that we're going to have with our guest today, you can tune in on Friday tomorrow at 10 a.m. Central Time and tune in with uh, Sia and Aaron on the Afterglow show. And you'll continue this conversation and have your own input. And as always, we, we love any kind of feedback from you. If you're watching us on social media, please like and subscribe to us. And share it, share this information with all the other entrepreneurs, business owners that you know. 
Okay, so you're here today to hear from our guest, Mr. Jack Daly. Well, I've had the pleasure of knowing Jack for, I don't, I don't want to say how long, but I've had a pleasure of getting to know him and spending time with him and learning from him, most importantly. He is the guru of all gurus for sales training. Um, he's going to talk to us today about his playbook and maybe even maybe some of his bucket lists that he's got out there. So without further ado, let me bring on board to you, Mr. Jack Daly. So Jack, welcome. Thank Michelle, you for being here with us. Michelle, it's a pleasure. Um, and uh, we haven't seen each other physically for years now, and it, not just because of the pandemic. So I was really looking forward to engaging today. Yes, we used to work together quite a bit in the days, it seems like, and it has been a while. So I'm thrilled that you're here with us. So thank you so much for joining us. For those that don't know you, Jack, let's give a little bit of background. How did you get into sales and where you are today? So give them the background because you're not just a sales trainer. You've been a CEO, you've sold businesses. I mean, you are an entrepreneur. So give them a little bit of background. Sure. So whenever anyone asks, when did I first get into sales? Uh, I started seven years old when all the other kids were playing hide and seek in tag. I was out making money and I made pot holders and I sold them to moms and grandmoms. And I'd walk up to the door and they'd say, I already bought from Mary, Sally and Susie. And I'd say, yeah, all little girls, you've never bought a pot holder from a little boy. And I know that because I'm the only one that makes them. So do you want one or two? And so um, I sold to every mom and grandmom and the girls had to share the market. And when you own the market, you can charge whatever you want. So I charged twice the price and I fell in love with sales. By the age of 12, I had a new company that I built. I had five employees by the time I was 13. They were wow. doing work. I kept 70% of the money. And uh, I said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur when I grow up. Fast forward, formally educated graduate from school, uh, interestingly enough, with an accounting degree, because entrepreneurs that I interviewed said, if you're going to build a business, understand the numbers. And then between 26 and 46 years old, I built six companies from a blank sheet of paper in the national firm, sold two to Wall Street. And then at 46 years old, lost my passion for running a business, uh, exited that. And uh, I thought that I'd take a year to figure out what I was going to do when I grew up. And uh, instead, the phone started ringing and people were saying, uh, can you speak at my company? Can you train my salespeople? Uh, can you speak at this conference and convention? And for the last 25 years now, I've been uh, touring the world, speaking to uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, sales managers and salespeople. Yeah. You know, and I just remembered there was a gentleman that used to work for me that went and started a business that you partnered with. And he knew about you because of the playbook. So let's talk about the playbook. You're known for your playbook. What is it and why is it so important? Yeah, so so it's a, it's a great question. And I, I work with all my clients in this regard. Uh, I At one stage, I had 2,600 salespeople in my company. And I was wow. infamous for visiting their offices and saying, there aren't 2,600 best ways to sell this stuff. What do you say we figure out the best way? Build the systems and processes, i.e. the playbook and then practice the systems and processes. And I bet you we kick butt wherever we go. Um, so my favorite expression in the playbook area is sports teams are run better than most businesses. And the reason that they are is they play from a playbook and they're prepared for, for battle. And that is the key to selling. Okay, so a playbook, much like what a coach uses in professional sports, 
business a little bit different. What are some of the key ingredients in your playbook? Yeah, so the, 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 there's there's hardly anything that goes on on the sales call that you couldn't anticipate before you arrive. Um, as a result, there's no reason to not be better prepared. So um, uh, I ask audiences, how many objections do you think are out there in the sales world? And I get infinite and groaning and moaning. And actually, you're hard pressed to come out with more than 12. So if there are only 12 major objections, why not figure the answers out beforehand, put them in the playbook? Um, why should I do business with your company? That is a question that every prospect eventually asks. Why your company compared to someone else's? So wouldn't it make sense to figure out the answer that would be unique uh, from anyone else that you compete with and with specificity? And again, I'll go back. I don't want, uh, if I have 12 salespeople, I don't want people going out and giving 12 different answers. Figure out the best and put it in the playbook. Um, the, the, one of the keys to sell, selling success, Michelle, is uh, focus. Focus on what I call HPAs, high payoff activities. And so um, let's put in the playbook what the high payoff activities are for our salespeople. What do you mean by that? Go a little bit deeper for me. Sure. Uh, I, 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 as a salesperson, I love being told I can't do something. Um, you know, if I if I go to my personal life at 58 years old, I, I decided that I was going to do an Ironman and I didn't know how to swim. And my friend said, you're old and you don't know how to swim. You can't even begin to think about doing an Ironman. And I went on to do 15 full Ironmans. Well, I love people telling me I can't do something. So in sales, I love it when somebody says, you'll never get to that decision maker. You can't get through the gatekeeper. You, you just, it's impossible to do. So I love doing that. I love cold calling. So that would be an HPA for me. What wouldn't be an HPA for me is to sit in front of a computer and update my contact management system. And don't get me wrong, I know how to leverage a contact management system, but data entry and working with a computer is not in Jack's high payoff activity. We only have 168 hours a week to utilize. And a good portion of that we're sleeping and eating and spending with our family. So in the 40 to 60 hours that we can spend selling, we better be focused on the things that will either win new customers or grow the ones we have. So get really clear on what those activities are, right? For sure. And Michelle, when we've gone into companies and taken a look at what their salespeople are doing, generally speaking, more than 50% of a salesperson's time is not spent in that HPA high payoff activity area, which means as an entrepreneur, if you could get rid of that stuff, uh, it would you could have a doubling in sales without adding another salesperson. So is that going in and just really dialing in as a sales manager or the owner of the business? A lot of our entrepreneurs, maybe they might not have a sales manager. So it's dialing in on what they're spending their day on, the activities the entrepreneurs spending their day doing. Absolutely. Is that what you would do? You'd go in and just interview them and understand what they're doing every day? Uh, 
uh, not just to interview them, but sit side by side and watch and listen. That's some of the best ways to figure it out. If I spend a day with a couple salespeople, I'm going to pretty much know how they spend each day. Uh, and, uh, and, and by the way, you just opened up a can of worms for me just a moment ago by saying uh, several of our entrepreneur members uh, don't really have the sales manager side of the house. Uh, and so they wear that hat. That is one of the th three sins of sales management that holds companies back. If your vision is to build something of significance, the person who's responsible for that more than anyone else is whoever runs your sales force. So if you're wearing both hats, the entrepreneur CEO hat and the sales manager hat, every moment you have that important CEO hat on, you're stalling the growth of your company. Ah, interesting. Okay, so let's talk about sales manager then. So if it's so important to get a sales manager, what are what are some of the the you know traits that you look for in a good sales manager and what should a good sales manager be doing yeah so uh, you know a sales manager's job is not to grow sales that's very important for everyone to understand that a seems counterintuitive the sales right? manager's job is to grow sales people in quantity and quality if you grow sales people in quantity and quality they in turn will grow your sales so uh, when I look at that sales manager position or whatever you want to call that person, the chief revenue officer, uh, EVP of sales, whoever's in charge of that sales force, here's their job. They need to make an assessment of their current team members. Do, do those people belong on the team? The first order of business is clean your existing house and make sure that you've got real players. Then your job is recruit, train, coach, build, and develop out the sales force. Uh, I use the example very often of having a sales team of 10 salespeople. Uh, I, I submit that a sales manager needs to at least spend four hours a month with each person in the field uh, with them while they're selling. So if you just take a, a sales force of 10 people, that's 40 hours a month of the sales manager's time just doing joint calls, training calls, and coaching calls. That has nothing to say about building the playbook and inspecting the, the, the pipelines, all of the, all of the key things that a, a sales manager needs to do. Uh, and again, I take it back to the sports. Think about what that head coach is doing and you're going to get close to what that sales manager role is. And would you continue to meet with your, your more uh, experienced salespeople that are out there making it rain or no? So you're, 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 you are so on top of it, Michelle. Uh, look, again, back to the sports team. Who does the head coach spend their time with? The first team, second team, or third team? And it's like, well, obviously, you spend it with the first team. But here's what happens in too many businesses. Uh, we, we say to ourselves, well, the first team, they're, they're, they're fine. They're doing really well. Where I need to go spend my time is at the bottom. And I say, get rid of the bottom to begin with so you don't get distracted and you'll get more out of the other players. Uh, good advice. That's great advice. Okay, let's, I'm going to ask you about, you know, you say go and sit with them in, in the field. What about now we're so remote? You know, the pandemic, everyone's working from home. How do you manage that as a sales manager? Yeah, that's, it's terrific. So, uh, you know, we've all, we've all got the word Zoom in our blood now. Uh, and I have a client in Ohio. They have 38 salespeople uh, and they only do business in the state of Ohio. And the CEO came back to me and said, we had our best year ever this past year. And one of the reasons is this, 
their 38 salespeople spend most of their time in the car behind a windshield. And twice a year, they would bring them all in for about two days of a sales meeting and they do some practice and stuff like that. Um, when, when we went into lockdown, all of the salespeople were working out of their home. And so what they did is they decided to do role practice, what gener generically is called role play, which I don't believe in. People don't get better by playing. They get better by practicing. So role practice um, and joint calls, training calls and coaching calls with prospects on Zoom. And, uh, and, and, and because they were able to do that an hour each day with each salesperson, that that CEO said, our salespeople have never, ever been this good. They are they have got it down to a science. So, you know, Woody Allen said it better than me. You see an angry mob coming towards you, get in front and call it a parade. So what I say is <laughs> the pandemic is an angry mob. How can I make it win to my advantage? And quite frankly, as a speaker, I can tell you that the pandemic transformed my business for the positive. And whereas an awful lot of speakers were moaning for the last couple of years about um, travel is, is no longer, large groups are no longer. Uh, by June of 2000, I had set a Guinness World Record for the largest business conference on Zoom of 21,261 people. Turn oh it into a winner. That's what the key is. Yeah, I think you do that with everything that you experience with life, Jack. <laughs> okay, so I know that in the past we've talked about, and you do this, you rank your team. Um, can we talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So, you know, when you start to talk about ranking people, uh, again, I'll go back to the sports analogy. Do they rank the sports sports players? Every single KPI in sports is measured and people held accountable to, and they rank their rank their players as to where they stand. I believe in ranking the salespeople. Um, and, and what we have to be careful about is the cultural aspect of it in terms of, of what's the culture of the company like and to what degree do we rank them? So as an example, the simple way to rank salespeople is by gross sales. But if we give the power of the pen to the salesperson to kind of be liberal with price, then net profitable sales would tell us a lot better than gross sales, whether we've got a good salesperson, because maybe maybe our sales guy is, is dropping his pants on price before he even gets started on the call. That's something that we can, that we can teach how to get better. If you're generating leads inside the company for the salespeople, then you want to rank your salespeople on conversion rate. How many leads did they get and how many deals did they close so that you know how to properly distribute the incoming leads that you're generating. I once had a company where we were spending a blended cost of $50 for every time the phone rang in marketing costs and leads. And we were giving each salesperson 10 leads a day. Well, at 10 leads a day, that's $500 investment over a 20-day month. That is $10,000 per salesperson. I need to make sure that I'm spending that investment judiciously. Mm -hmm. Wow, lots of good ideas, Jack. Okay, what about when you're ranking them and you've got the guy that's the last on the totem pole, who's your, your least performer, your underperformer, what do you do with these types of people? Yeah, so so the, the people can be in the in, in what I call the fourth quartile. 
uh, and, and, and be justified to be there. Maybe they're new to the industry or new to the company. They haven't built their pipeline up. Uh, as long as I see the proper activities going on, uh, then we're going to be, we're going to give them time. But if we have a perennial uh, lodger, a permanent lodger in the bottom quartile, we need to move them out. And in sports, again, it's called, he didn't make the cut. She didn't make the cut. But what I can tell you from the most recent study that is available, the bottom 25% of salespeople, all industries combined in the U.S., generates less than 6% of the sales. Um, the top quartile is delivering more than 60% of the sales. So when you start to look, work with the numbers, and again, an accounting background and MBA, I look at the numbers and the numbers tell me what my actions need to be. Interesting. Okay. So I know in the whole sales cycle, you've got a five-step process for sales, for successful sales. Let's go through those five steps. What are they? And let's yeah. talk about each one just a bit. Yeah. So, so, so you, the first one is goals. Uh, each salesperson has to identify what their goal for the year is, and it needs to be in writing. And it needs to have some type of a date or some type of something granular as to dollar volume of sales that are going to generate. And then coupled with those goals is what are the activities that you're going to be doing and identifying those activities with numerics uh, such that the goals should take place and become reality. Uh, uh, the, 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 third, the third component of the goal setting is a system of measurement because things that get measured get done. And then the fourth is someone to hold you accountable. So that's item number one. The second item is something that I call pipeline management. And I want to call it proactive pipeline management at least once a month. And my better clients do it every week. Um, we sit down and do something called inspect the baskets, a basket of prospects, a basket of customers and a basket of clients. And we want to know things like, when did you last touch them? How often have you touched them in the last 90 days? And what's standing in the way of them doing business with us? So proactive pipeline management. The third component is having an outbound touch system. Um, and I'm not talking about um, where we, where we, where we just continuously be oppressive on the prospect of what you want to do business with me. You want to do business with me. I feel that a lot on LinkedIn, people doing that with me. What I'm looking for is touching them in a variety of ways of face-to-face, -face, phone call, email, voicemail, snail mail, uh, and, and not just touching them with things about the company because people do not want to be sold. So I'm touching them with industry info and ideas that could help them be better in their industry. I'm touching them with general business info. I'm touching them with things I know about them personally. And so the mix of the, of the methods in which you touch and the content, that combination is very powerful. Again, I'll cite a different study. Nine touches before the prospect knows you exist. Nine touches wow. before they know you exist. Most salespeople quit at five or less. So that's the third component. The fourth component is one we mentioned earlier, and that's high payoff activities. Being absolutely focused on HPAs. Anything that takes me away from that is costing me money. And so one of the expressions that I've become famous for is if you don't have an assistant, you are one. There are things that need to be done in sales, but not necessarily done by the salesperson. So that's a key. And then the last component is the playbook. 
the proven systems and processes, best practices, and then a scheduled practice training sessions that don't get canceled. Again, I go back to sports. If you've ever played sport, I would ask, how often did the coach cancel practice? And you just get laughter from an audience like, no, that doesn't exist. Well, if practice is scheduled in business for salespeople, more than half of the time, it's canceled due to an internal fire. And so sports teams are truly run better than most businesses. Schedule practice, schedule working with the playbook and make it an appointment that doesn't get rescheduled. Right. So rhythms of a, of a meeting, right? Rhythms of meetings. For sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Now I know that you also have a whole best practices, um, you know, that, that goes through one through seven. Um, let's talk about each one of those for just a minute. So, cause you know, tell us what's included in that. And I know that all this information at the end, we're going to talk to them about a book where they could go and get this too. So, um, but give us the, the seven steps or the yeah. seven different processes. Yeah. yeah. So, so the first thing, and it's a, it's, it, it, this is a great follow-up from the last point I made, which is the best practices and playbook. Um, I call it model the masters. If you want to, if you want to do anything well in life, figure out people that have already figured it out and do what they're doing. Uh, uh, I get to, I get the opportunity to invite invited to speak at the president's club or the chairman's club of companies where we honor the top people. And it, it is an honor to be invited. Uh, but it's very frustrating because typically what we see are the same people there year after year after year. I have a client that's based in Pennsylvania with 440 salespeople. Um, generally speaking, 20 to 30 of them make the chairman's club each year. Well, in the seven years they've had the chairman's club, um, there were 11 people that made it all seven years. Now, um, they had the same economy they were working with, the same competition, the same product, the same price. Um, but 11 people were able to be top of the field out of 440. Figure out what those 11 people are doing, bank it into the playbook, and practice the playbook. That's just common sense to me. So that's item number one. The second item is understanding that people are different. Uh, when you go out in the field with top salespeople, they're like chameleons. They morph into being more like the person they're calling on. People do business with people they like. They tend to like people that are more like them. And so um, what, I don't care what personality, style, uh, instrument or whatever uh, that you're using, but you should have the personality style of every one of your prospects, customers, and clients embedded inside the contact management system. So if I look at me from a disk standpoint, I'm a driver. And so next to my name in the database ought to be driver. So when you call <laughs> me or contact me, you know that time is a premium for me. So you got to get right to the point. I don't want a lot of detail, etc. And so it makes it just a very easy, eloquent way to sell if we understand the differences in people. 75% of the people that a salesperson will call on are a different style than them. Well, let me translate what that means. If you sell to everybody as if they were your style, three quarters of the time, you're gonna run into a personality conflict, which means that you get have the best product at the best price with the best service and three quarters of the time, no deal. So this personality style section is absolutely essential. Now, the third piece, and I'll give you like a couple components of the success guide, but uh, you know, I started earlier a little bit on that. Uh, the, the success guide concept says, 
there's hardly anything that goes on on the sales call that you couldn't figure out before you get there. As a result, there's no reason to not be better prepared. And so in the success guide are things like identification of the major objections and the best responses, uh, uh, identification of what the uh, high payoff activities are and uh, putting them in to that playbook. Uh, another piece of the success guide, why should I do business with you? It's interesting when I get in front of an audience and I ask that question, then the salespeople will say, uh, uh, knowledgeable, uh, uh, we're, 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 we're competent, uh, we're experienced, uh, we're competitive, uh, where we deliver good customer service, we have a wide array of product. Well, if I had your competitor in the room and asked the question, don't you think they would say the same thing? Knowledgeable, all of that. And so what can you say that your competitors would be hard pressed to match? So I have 10 bullet points that I say I own as to why you should do business with me compared to anyone else out there. As an example, when we introduced me, uh, I had I built six companies from scratch into national companies and no other sales trainer in the world can lay claim to that. My last three books were number one Amazon bestsellers. No other sales trainer in the world can say that. Uh, I was an Inc. number 10 uh, with 10,100% growth company and entrepreneur of the year from Ernst & Young. And no other sales trainer in the world can say that. Bachelor in degree in accounting, master's in business, and a captain in the United States Army. No other sales trainer in the world can say that. And I have 10 of those types of things. And if I can do that with me, then a company certainly can do it with them. So that goes into the success guide. And then the last item that I would give you of the seven is um, having regular ongoing sales meetings. But in those sales meetings, very different than with what is typically found in sales meetings, two thirds of the meeting has to be the salespeople being engaged and talking as opposed to a monologue being delivered by the sales manager. And so the, the sales meeting should, the salespeople should leave a sales meeting with this, with this, with this chatter going on. Well, I'm glad I was there today. That will really be helpful for me in the field. If your salespeople aren't saying that after your sales meetings, you're failing in the way you're delivering your sales meeting. Okay. Now I've run sales meetings before in the past <coughs> and probably because I, I shouldn't have been because I was the entrepreneur. I was not the sales manager. But I did run into the issue where I could never get the salespeople to talk, to engage as much as I would try. So what, give us some little tricks to get them engaged. Yeah, so, 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 so uh, look, salespeople love contests. Um, I, and so I'm, I'm famous for saying daily contests, weekly contests, monthly contests, quarterly contests, annual contests, all overlapping one another, right? Uh, and so uh, it'd be very easy for me to be get guys engaged by just walking in with a $25 or $50 Starbucks card and saying, okay, the, 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 the person who I think has contributed the best and the most to the meeting today, um, the Starbucks card is yours. Now, now you know, it's not the card, it's the competition they like. Uh, they want the bragging rights. Um, and so I want to, I want to, I want to bring a top salesperson in and I want them to go through the process of how they won a very difficult account. And we're going to specify what that account was. And then I'm going to pull out of them uh, whatever I need to pull out of them, but they're going to be the major talker in that. Um, so I'm, I, 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 I am leading the charge, um, but they are doing the talking. I like that. Those are great examples. Okay. So um, 
many of our, our members are entrepreneurs, you know, their businesses are doing well, they're bringing on salespeople now. Um, maybe they haven't really gotten to the point of hiring a sales manager, but they're, they're looking for the right sales manager. Um, what do they, what, what's the biggest lesson that they could, you know, provide to their sales group? Um, so, you know, if, if I, if I, if I'm going to, I'm going to change the way you ask the question just okay. a little bit, uh, because this is real, this, this one is really powerful. When you are looking uh, to bring salespeople into the organization, um, mm -hmm. the, the most important ingredient uh, has nothing to do with the playbook, has nothing to do with the systems, the process, uh, the product. It, it, it's, it's one word. It's grit. G-R-I-T. Never, ever, ever give up. So when you're looking for really great salespeople, um, you need to figure out, do they have that grit, that that ability that no matter how many times they hear no, no matter how many times they get knocked down, they bounce right up and go after it with the same amount of passion and vigor. That's what that's what determines the difference between the winners and the losers in sales more than anything else. Um, you can teach people product, price, service, strategies, tactics, playbooks. You can teach them all of those things. What I have never been able to figure out is how to teach a human being how to get up every morning and chew raw meat off the bone. But give me that person and I'll teach them everything else. So we spend a lot of time as 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 interviewers uh, asking questions that have to do with the technicalities of the business and all of those types of things. What I'm trying to figure out is well, give me some examples in your life where you got beat down and somehow got back up. And if you can give me two or three of those, and even if you can do it going back into your childhood, I don't really care because success leaves clues. And so if you did it before, you can be able to do it again. So uh, I may not be the smartest guy out there, that's for sure. But I'm, you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody that's going to work harder than me. Uh, you know, uh, on, the, on, the, on the personal side of my life, uh, a big event just took place 30 days ago. I was in Athens, Greece, um, running the original marathon from marathon into Athens. Uh, and it was my hundredth marathon. I've run a marathon wow. in all 50 states. I've run one on all the continents. There's less than 200 people on the planet that have done that. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, there's hardly a marathon that I've ever run where I wasn't in pain and I wanted to quit. A bad weather. I've run it in Antarctica. I've run it at the North Pole with a polar circle uh, with snow to my knees. And, you know, you, you, you want to cry. But if you're at the North Pole and it's below zero, you don't want to cry because there'll, there'll be icicles running down your face and they'll pull out and pull you out. But I have grit. Uh, and that grit has enabled me to prove to be successful in whatever endeavor I'm, I'm involved in. So when you're interviewing someone, you ask those questions. Give me a couple of examples where you have fallen down and you got back up, whatever that might be. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there any other questions that are standard questions that you ask in the interview process when you're looking for good salespeople? You know, I, I, I shy away from standard questions. Uh, and I'm playing to the personality of the individual. Um, I'm, I'm what I'm trying to figure out is, number one, do they have grit? And number two, is this a person that I think is going to be good culturally for the team and for our company that will reflect well as a group 
player here. Uh, I, I don't I don't like the the hot shot sales guy that comes in and does it his way. That doesn't work in my system. Um, so what I'm looking for is I'm looking for somebody that's a hungry tiger that uh, also can work well with the rest of the group and the company. Yeah, that's important too. So um, questions will be re reflective of that. And I would think values are important as well, that they match the values of you and the company also. Without, without a doubt, although, um, you know, I've struggled to figure out uh, in an interview. And by the way, uh, no one gets hired in my companies without me interviewing three different times and three additional people beyond me so that I get input. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, as a speaker, you have stock phrases. Uh, one of mine, hire slowly, fire quickly. Uh, yeah. And so I take time uh, before I introduce people into our organization. And I, I, in the interview process, I sell the hard stuff, the bad stuff. You're going to need to come in and play by the playbook. Um, we don't want any lone rangers here. Um, and we're going to demand that you practice. My salespeople in my last company that I had practiced at least a minimum of one hour every day that they were there. Um, uh, the best in anything practice. And uh, we're going to inspect your baskets. We're going to inspect your goals and your HPAs. And if you as a salesperson hear that in the interview process and say, gosh, this guy's going to be really demanding. I'm going to go look somewhere else. Guess what? That person wasn't a good fit for our company. What, what I'm looking for is salespeople that want to take their game up. I'm looking for salespeople that want to make a lot more money than they're currently making. And if you come to work at one of my companies, um, that's what's going to take place. So, Jack, I know that you've got this bucket list and um, you've accomplished all sorts of things in your life by putting together this bucket list. Share with us what your bucket list is and what you're currently working on. What I can say about a bucket list is before the movie came out. It was called a life list and I developed it in my twenties. And that was, uh, what are all the things I want to do uh, be before I pass away? And when the movie came out, I decided to change my life list to, into a bucket list. And if you were to go to my website, <laughs> there's over 400 items on my bucket list. Good news, 75% uh, are now complete. So as an example, uh, I, I, I mentioned I've run a marathon in all 50 states. That was a bucket list item. Uh, I, that took me about 20 years to complete. Uh, I've done a marathon in all the continents. That one took about five years to complete. I've, I've uh, visited all the presidential libraries. Uh, that one took about five or six years to complete. And, uh, and then I've done some crazy stuff like the world's largest bungee jump and diving in the ocean off of the coast of Africa with the great white sharks, uh, flown a jet fighter plane without any uh, flight experience or any flying uh, uh, teaching or, or what have you. Uh, just an amazing, amazing amount of things uh, that I've done in my life. And uh, in fact, in the next 60 days, I have my next book about to be released, which is Jack Daly's Life by Design, Your Path to an Exceptional Life, uh, which I'm extremely excited about. And, uh, and I think we're going to make a big difference in a lot of people's lives, giving them the process to follow to take your life up and, uh, and fulfill something that maybe a lot of people would call their dreams. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what I can tell you about my bucket list. And it's, uh, it's always under construction. Uh, you never want to complete your bucket list. <laughs>
So Jack, if people want to learn more about you and learn more information, because I know you have a plethora of information, where do they go? How can they learn more about you? Yeah, in terms of getting uh, getting more about me or quite quite frankly, uh, uh, getting a lot more content on sales, sales management, entrepreneurship, growing a business, uh, the best place to go is my website. And that is jackdailysales.com. Jackdailysales.com. Uh, I have four magazines on there that are 32 pages in length that you can download for free. I have workbooks that are on there for download for free. Uh, you can access my YouTube videos. There's over 300 bite-sized videos that are sitting out there on YouTube covering any number of things and they're less than five minutes each. Uh, and so just give, uh, give the website a look and uh, that's probably the best place to get started. So Jack, I want to thank you for being with us here today. It was fantastic as I knew it would be. It was just chock full of great content. Um, you've continued to deliver time after time after time again and again. So thank you so much. I know our members have enjoyed. I know they've all taken lots of notes. I definitely have. Um, so until next time, until we meet again, thank you for being on the Business Acceleration 2.0. And for all of you still tuned in, Remember, go check out withglow.com and sign up for our big conference that's happening in Dallas, Texas, March 3rd through the 6th. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a fantastic event. Stay, stay safe and uh, God bless. Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington. I'm Samba Bachili. Nina Vaca, Chief Executive Officer of Pinnacle Group. An original shark from the hit TV show Shark Tank. The CEO of ADS Group. The largest Latina-owned workforce solutions in America. I first identify myself as an entrepreneur when I was 15 years old. My mother and father immigrated here with a suitcase and a dream. I had a front row seat to entrepreneurship. I am living proof of what is possible in this country. Today, the marketplace is, is very tough. The challenge for African market today is its access to capital. The number one reason why we can't scale as entrepreneurs is access to capital. What makes Glow so different and so powerful is the access to experts, gurus, mentors, coaches, financiers, venture people, money. When I started my business, I immediately went to engage with different communities, different platforms. Glow makes that experience digital. A digital platform makes it so much faster and so much easier for you to meet like-minded people. The financial platform that Glow have that make Glow unique. Glow is about commerce, Glow is about community, and Glow is about having access to capital. Glow is an asset to every entrepreneur in this country and globally. It's, it's about helping you take your business, your idea, to the next step.